The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. lawmakers make plans to ban Russian oil as crude prices continue to climb. Moscow threatens to cut off natural gas supplies to Europe. Sticker shock at the pump as U.S. gas prices hit an all-time record. And the S&P 500 comes off its worst day since October of 2020. New York City prepares for the possibility of a cyber attack by Russia. Plus, President Biden will sign an executive order regulating cryptocurrency. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. A big night for Julius Randle. He led the Knicks to victory in Sacramento. The Islanders lost to Colorado. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 106.1 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Interactive Brokers' simple IBKR Global Trader app. Deposit in your local currency and trade stocks in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Start your free trial at IBKR.com slash Global Trader. And U.S. futures are higher this morning after the biggest one-day loss for stocks since 2020. It is 6.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 15 points. Dow futures up 80. NASDAQ futures up 21. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 19.30 seconds. Yield 1.84 percent. And the yield on the two-year is at 1.60 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.8 percent at 122 dollars 67 cents a barrel. Nathan. Okay, Karen, we'll have more on the markets in a minute. But first, the latest on the war in Ukraine. Russia is threatening to cut off natural gas supplies to Europe through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. That's in response to sanctions for the U.S., Europe and their allies. Russian President Vladimir Putin says the war will continue until all his demands are met. But Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says it's not that simple. This is another ultimatum and we are not prepared for ultimatums. What needs to be done is for President Putin to start talking, start the dialogue, instead of living in the informational bubble without oxygen. I think that's where he is. Ukrainian President Zelensky spoke to ABC News. Russia and Ukraine say they will talk again today about establishing humanitarian corridors for civilians. The head of the UN's refugee agency says the number of people fleeing the fighting has now topped two million. Meantime, on Capitol Hill, Nathan, lawmakers are working to ramp up pressure on Moscow. They've come up with a plan to ban imports of Russian oil into the U.S. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Biden administration officials have been working out what the economic repercussions might be for U.S. consumers. The agreement would also give President Biden the power to boost tariffs on other imports from Russia and Belarus. It would seek a suspension of Russia's participation in the World Trade Organization. The White House has been noncommittal. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says no decision has been made yet. The best thing we can do is reduce our dependence on fossil fuels and foreign oil so that we're not worried about gas prices going up because of the whims of a foreign dictator. 
The House of Representatives could vote on the proposal as soon as tomorrow. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thanks. Once again, we're seeing major market moves tied to the war in Ukraine. Let's get the very latest from Bloomberg's John Tucker live in New York. John. Nathan, disruption to energy markets and broader uncertainty sent the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 2.4% 2.4% at Monday's session. The S&P 500 lost nearly 3%. The Nasdaq got pummeled down 3.6%. Well, this morning, some risk sentiment has returned to stocks in Europe along with U.S. futures after we reported that the European Union is considering joint bond sales to help counter the fallout from the war. Our sources say the bond sale proposal may be presented as soon as next week. On another front, the London Metal Exchange halted trading in its nickel market after an unprecedented price spike left brokers struggling to pay margin calls. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, oil prices are surging again this morning. If penalties hit Russian crude, there's likely no way to replace that production. That's according to OPEC Secretary General Mohamed Barkindo. How do we survive this crisis? There is no capacity in the world at the moment that can replace 7 million barrels of exports. OPEC Secretary General Mohamed Barkindo describes Russia's war against Ukraine as a humanitarian tragedy. And checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is up 2.9% at $122.85 a barrel. Brent is up 3.1% at $127 a barrel. And gas prices have surged over the past two weeks, Karen. That's causing pain at the pump. But drivers say they'd be willing to pay even more if it would end the war in Ukraine. We get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Gas prices are soaring, but many drivers are saying we'll pay more at the pump. That's according to a Quinnipiac poll, which found 71% of Americans would support banning Russian oil, even if it leads to higher gas prices. The national average for gas has reached $4.17 a gallon, according to AAA. That tops the nationwide monthly record of $4.10 set back in 2008. In New York, I'm Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thank you. Well, as war rages in Ukraine, top U.S. intelligence officials are coming out with their annual threat assessment. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence sees a grim global outlook thanks to Russia and China. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. The threat assessment says China is developing one of the greatest nuclear weapons forces in history, while Russia will exploit every opportunity to undermine the U.S. and its allies. The nation's top intelligence chiefs will testify about their report before the House committee today. The assessment is used by Congress as a baseline to make critical decisions, advance legislation, and craft budgets. But since it was written before Russia invaded Ukraine, lawmakers will likely press intelligence chiefs for the most current assessments during today's hearing. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. When it comes to the assessment for markets, it's all about the fallout from the war and the future of Fed policy. The Fed meets one week from today. Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman says the central bank should still start rate hikes despite the war. Speaking in Sydney, he said the Fed needs to contain prices, but also be careful not to tip the economy into recession. Well, in corporate news, Apple is holding its first product unveiling of 2022. The event kicks off what's expected to be its biggest year ever in terms of new devices. The company is poised to announce its first low-cost iPhone SE with 5G capabilities, a new iPad Air, and updated Macs with Apple-made chips. Again, futures are higher this morning and straight ahead your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. 
Politics here in 607 on Wall Street, 40 degrees in Central Park. The Morris Exus Gladstone branch of New Jersey Transit still suspended. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City is preparing for the possibility of a cyber attack by Russia. The city's chief technology officer, Matthew Frazier, says it could happen. We see threats pop up periodically. Those specifically associated to this heightened sense, we've seen an uptick. Um, but we're not aware of any campaign that's explicitly targeting the city itself. Tech Officer Frazier says New York is on ultra-high alert following U.S.-imposed sanctions against Russia for its ongoing invasion of Ukraine. The fear is Russia will try to retaliate. The NYPD's Deputy Commissioner, John Miller. We get that we're in a heightened threat, um, and we have been gearing up for that heightened threat to come along from our normal high alert to ultra-high alert. And that's where we are. The NYPD's Miller says it's best to be ready just in case a homegrown terrorist strikes. President Joe Biden is expected to sign an executive order on cryptocurrency this week that will mark the first step toward regulating how digital currency is traded. The move comes as administration officials have raised concern in recent weeks about Russia's use of cryptocurrency to evade the impact of crushing sanctions. Tens of thousands of customers are without power in New York and New Jersey after a line of severe storms swept through the Northeast. This man in Cedar Grove, New Jersey, spent the night at a neighbor's house after a tree fell alongside his home, cut off his power, and blocked his front door. It started raining. I heard it pelting down the window. Then all of a sudden it sounded like a, a train went through, and the wind would howl, and then bada-boom. He says they're waiting to see whether they can safely return to their house today. Jury selection begins today in the trial of four men who are accused of conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The government says the men were upset about Whitmer's COVID-19 restrictions, but defense lawyers claim the four were groomed and cajoled by federal agents and informants. The CDC raised its COVID-19 travel advisory for Hong Kong by one step to level four, or very high, as the city's death rate is now the highest in the world. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Almost 6.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan. Biggest reason the Knicks so much better last season than this one. Julius Randle was so much better last season. But last night, Randle was as good as he's ever been. Career high, 46 points. He made eight three-pointers. And the Knicks turned the table. So many blown leads lately. This time, they made the comeback from 20 down. They won at Sacramento 131-115. The Knicks have their first two-game winning streak in nearly two months. San Antonio beat the Lakers, who were playing without LeBron James. Greg Pop ties Don Nelson's record for most coaching victories. The Islanders welcomed in the NHL's best team. Colorado moved 30 games over 500, scored four goals in a span of less than four and a half minutes of the third period, then held on, beat the Isles 5-4. March Madness, championship of the Southern Conference Tournament. 61-61 tie. Bothwell drives all the way in his layup is good. With 4.3 seconds left. David Jean-Baptiste drives, goes up, three-pointer on the way, got it, he hit it, David Jean-Baptiste, three at the buzzer, Hawks win it. Call on Learfield, Chattanooga beat Furman 64-63 in overtime. 
The Calvin Ridley story, not all that surprising considering the growth of sports betting, now legal in many states, so accessible with the touch of a phone. Ridley, the Falcons star wide receiver, admitted to making bets on NFL games, including bets on his team to win, although they were games he was not playing in regardless, hit with a suspension of at least all of 2022. It'll cost Ridley $11 million. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are higher, up 14 points. Dow futures up 86. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 9 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 21, 30 seconds. The yield, 1.84%. Reaction to the market moves on the war in Ukraine next with Alicia Levine of BNY Mellon. This is Bloomberg. Coming up to 612 on Wall Street, Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your tri-state area Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're seeing stocks in Europe trimming their advance, and so are NASDAQ futures. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures remain higher, up 11 points. Dow futures up 65, while NASDAQ futures are lower. Well, little change now, down about 5. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. Ten-year Treasury down 21.30 seconds, yield 1.84 percent. The yield on the two-year, 1.61 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.9 percent up $3.55 at $122.88 a barrel. Comex Gold is up 9 tenths percent or $18.30 at $2014.20 an ounce. The euro, 1.0896 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3116. The yen's at 115.66. And Bitcoin this morning is moving higher, up 2.7% at $38,860. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Russia's top energy official threatened to cut off natural gas flows from the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. It escalates economic tensions with Europe as the war in Ukraine continues. Russia and Ukraine have said they will continue to hold talks on a potential ceasefire, although a third round of discussions produced little progress. U.S. drivers are now paying more for gasoline than at any other time in history as demand surges and the war in Ukraine threatens global oil supplies. According to AAA, the average pump prices in the U.S. are now more than $4.17 per gallon. California prices have surged to $5.44 a gallon. In the NBA, the Knicks won, the Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders lost, the Bruins lost in OT to the Kings 3-2. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 619 now on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Alicia Levine is with us now, head of equities and capital market advisory at BNY Mellon Wealth Management as we try to make sense of the violent market moves we've been seeing over the last few days on the latest headlines coming out of Ukraine. Alicia, good morning. Of course, we're coming off a big sell-off in equities yesterday. Do you think this market's hit capitulation? Good morning, Nathan, and great to speak to you again. Look, I I don't think we're at that capitulation moment just yet. Um, The the fear and loathing is not quite there. The VIX 
high as it is, really hasn't gone to a place which would really signal capitulation. And the other thing is the market's just bouncing around in this kind of like this range between 4,100, 4,500. It's still in that range. What's really disconcerting is that range has been skewed to the downside and and the upside it seems to be more limited, which suggests we have more to go on the downside. We're not there yet, and I think we're going to have more ugly days ahead of us before this is done. I don't I don't think this is fatal to the year. I just think that we're in a tough spot with all this uncertainty and the commodity price inflation. Uh, it does seem kind of weird to ask what your outlook is for the rest of the year, given you know how much uh, gyration we could see over the next few days and weeks. But I'm going to put the question to you. Are you adjusting your outlook for the S&P for the rest of this year based on what's going on? So, look, we we, we our target is has does have a wider range. It is skewed to the downside. We see most of the risk really in the first half of the year. The, the Russian, the Russian war with Ukraine added to the kind, the uncertainty that we face in an already squeamish market that was overvalued and worried about Fed tightening with, with some of the dynamics of inflation and fears of, of margin compression with us. And so this just made it worse. And it's also hard to model because it could change at any day. But I think the biggest risk is really in the first half of the year. But we think ultimately, as long as the U.S. doesn't go into recession, our base case is no recession. And therefore, we see the market really stabilizing by mid-year into the second half of the year. But it's a lot to get through in the next few weeks. You have to have a strong stomach. You can also pick up stocks here. You know, everything's getting thrown out with the bathwater. And so you want to be, you know, careful. But stocks that have had their, mul- their multiples come crashing down with good businesses um, that have some pricing power could be pretty interesting here. So it's really tough to buy in a market like this, but this is also what we've learned, that you, you buy when things really look terrible and things do look pretty scary. Well, if this is turning into a stock picker's market, Alicia, what sectors are you looking at to outperform right now? Look, it's tough. I mean, I, w- I, would, I, would, tell, I would tell most of your listeners, we, I think we still have a ways to go on the downside here. So that's a tough one. But I, I, there are several sectors. For instance, even though we're, we are concerned about the low-end consumer between gas prices and also the withdrawing of fiscal stimulus, we're worried about the low-end. We think overall, if you look at the entire consumer picture, consumers in not bad shape. And we think a greater share of wallet is going to go towards travel and leisure. And in the last week or so, the travel and leisure stocks have really gotten decimated. So, I mean, I think that's a place to look. Um, and obviously, energy, we think, will be a long-term trend here. Hard to buy on the spikes. Don't go run in and buy, you know, when oil's up 30% in, in three weeks. But we do think that the, the, the picture around oil, the supply shortage, greater demand will be upward pressure on oil prices, and therefore, energy should do pretty well. We think some of the staple companies still look good. We, you know, we do see the low-end consumer trading down to private label. Um, so some of those staple companies will do fairly well. And this is going to sound very counterintuitive, but the banks have gotten decimated. They're down mostly about 21% year-to-date. And and therefore, you know, if we're not going into a recession and the Fed is hiking, some of the banks could be interesting here. So, you know, there, and of course, defense. Defense spending in the U.S. is probably going up 8%. 
in the next year in the new budget. And that also will be long-term trend for, for defense spending. You know, you really have to think of this moment as a regime change, higher inflation, higher defense spending. And I think in some ways some of those companies that, you know, our, 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 dad, our fathers and our grandfathers invested in will be some of the ones that will do well coming out of this. Great to have you on this morning, Alicia. Thanks for this. Really appreciate it. Alicia Levine, Head of Equities and Capital Market Advisory at BNY Mellon Wealth Management. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are looking a bit higher at the moment. S&P futures up 14. Dow futures up 92 points. And NASDAQ futures are just a touch higher, up 8 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, make your giving organized and tax-efficient. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 0.75% to 1.58%. Rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. We begin with the war in Ukraine. Moscow is threatening to cut off natural gas supplies to Europe. That's after a third round of talks between Russia and Ukraine failed to make progress. Bloomberg's Ed Back has the latest. Russia says it has heard nothing from Ukraine that would make it change direction. And Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky in an exclusive ABC interview says Russia just wants to make threats and issue ultimatums. And then talking about Vladimir Putin through a translator. Start the dialogue instead of living in the informational bubble without oxygen. I think that's where he is. And U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has again rejected the plea for a no-fly zone, saying it could lead to widening the war. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Developments out of Capitol Hill as well. Congress has announced the outline of a bill to bar imports of Russian oil to the U.S. The House could vote on the proposal as soon as tomorrow. On Wall Street, U.S. futures are higher after yesterday's sell-off. We get the latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, sentiment has improved on the heels of our report that the European Union is considering joint bond sales to help counter the fallout from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The possibility of further central bank stimulus lifting sentiment. In yesterday's session, stocks were pummeled with the Nasdaq tumbling over 3.5%. Meantime, the London Metal Exchange suspended trading in nickel after a short squeeze drove the metal's price to more than double. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. John, thanks. There's more pain at the pump this morning. U.S. drivers are now paying the most ever for gas. Average prices have hit $4.17 a gallon. AAA says that's the highest in records going back more than 20 years. 
Well, as war rages in Ukraine, Nathan, top U.S. intelligence officials are out with their annual threat assessment. It's a grim global outlook thanks to Russia and China. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. The threat assessment says China is developing one of the greatest nuclear weapons forces in history, while Russia will exploit every opportunity to undermine the U.S. and its allies. The nation's top intelligence chiefs will testify about their report before the House committee today, but since it was written before Russia invaded Ukraine, lawmakers will likely likely press them for a more current assessment. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thank you. 633 on Wall Street, 40 degrees in Central Park, still dealing with the suspension of the New Jersey Transit's Morris Exus line. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Officials say Russian cyber attacks against the U.S. are a reality. The United States could be targeted in retaliation for the sanctions levied against Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. Major cities like New York City are beefing up security. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York says the level of risk is very high. Russia's military attack on Ukraine's cities and buildings have happened in conjunction with cyber attacks waged on Ukraine's critical infrastructure from its banks to departments of government. And there's no guarantee that those attacks will be limited to Ukraine. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, the NYPD, says the city is on ultra-high alert. President Joe Biden plans to sign an executive order on cryptocurrency this week in a step toward regulating how digital currency is traded. Administration officials are concerned about Russia's use of cryptocurrency to evade the impact of crushing sanctions in response to its invasion of Ukraine. A bill making lynching a federal hate crime is headed to President Joe Biden's desk for his signature. The Senate passed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. After more than 200 failed attempts to outlaw lynching, Congress is finally succeeding in taking the long overdue action by passing the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. Senator Schumer says the bill is named after 14-year-old Emmett Till, who was lynched in Mississippi in 1955. In a victory for Democrats, the Supreme Court has turned away efforts from Republicans in North Carolina and Pennsylvania to block state court-ordered congressional districting plans. The justices are allowing maps elected by each state Supreme Court to be in effect for the 2022 elections. Members of the Congressional Black Caucus met with President Joe Biden about the release of WNBA star Brittany Griner, who was recently detained in an airport near Moscow. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas represents the district where Griner is from. We know that we have to move on her situation. She is in a circumstance that would generate a 10-year sentence. Uh, Many of us believe that this is unwarranted. The 31-year-old Griner was arrested in Moscow after customs officials reportedly detected cannabis oil in her luggage. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks. 636 on Wall Street. John Stashauer is here at the Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan Knicks off the win over the Clippers at the end of the seven-game losing streak. One night later, moved north, fell behind, and then last year's All-Star led them back. Knicks can take their first lead of the game with a three. Randall lets it fly and hits. 
from the right wing. And the Knicks, once down 20, have come back. They lead 81-80 in Sacramento. Randall at the left wing. Steps out. Three-pointer. Got it. Julius Randall with 35 points. He's matched his season high. Knicks by 10. WEPN had the calls. The Knicks beat the Kings 131-115. to They scored 44 points in the third quarter. And Randall, who was so good last year, not nearly as good this season, finished with a career-high 46 points. R.J. Barrett had a 29. Emmanuel quickly had 27. The UBS Arena wild third period. Colorado scored four goals in a span of just over four minutes and led 5-1. to The Islanders rallied. But the league-leading Avalanche held on to win 5-4. in the Owls have lost five of the last seven. The Seahawks of Wagner College with a win tonight in Smithfield, Rhode Island, over Bryant College will win the Northeast Conference Tournament and advance to the NCAAs. Manhattan plays Ryder in the MAC Tourney in Atlantic City, and the ACC Tournament begins tonight at the Barclays Center. Jets owner Woody Johnson now wants to buy Chelsea FC of the English Premier League, currently owned by a Russian oligarch. The price tag said to be about $2.5 billion. If it's Tuesday, it must be time to cancel another week of the baseball regular season. It happened a week ago. It'll happen again tonight if there's no lockout ending labor deal. The owners did up the number for the competitive balance tax certificate. John's Cash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Okay, John, thanks. It's 637 on Wall Street. Let's get more now on what's happening in this morning's market. Bloomberg Television anchor and markets reporter Danny Berger is with us now. And, uh, Danny, we were just talking with Alicia Levine a few minutes ago from BNY Mellon. She says you need a strong stomach to be in this market right now. It sure feels that way. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I, I kind of get the feeling that day after day we look at some new asset that has moved parabolic and, and kind of this feeling that, you know, things are breaking today. It was certainly the turn of nickel on the LME. Oh, yeah. Um, that did have trading suspended, but it does just feel like we're in this environment where an asset is, is having crazy moves everywhere you look. Right. I mean, you've seen it almost described as like meme stock moves in some of these commodities. I mean, what's the reaction from a lot of the market participants you've been speaking to about what we're seeing, not just in nickel, but this mm. ongoing surge in oil right now? I think across all of these assets, when you see moves to this extent, it comes back to this concern about liquidity in the market. Um, when you have all these strange things happening, not being able to trade Russian assets, when you have uh, oil, natural gas, all of them hitting these new highs, um, they're concerned about how many people are actually willing to step in and trade them, what counterparty risk looks like. And often these concerns become a feedback loop where you have more volatility and it causes more people to step back from the market. And that's when you get these really, really painful moves that we've been seeing. So it's a long-winded way of saying there's just a lot of fear uh, taking place in this market. Although we are starting to see futures move up just a Mm. touch on word that Bloomberg News is reporting that Europe could put out this massive bond sale to fund its energy and defense needs in the future. Is that sort of uh, giving some stabilization to the market, at least at the moment? Yeah, at least at the moment, we are off some of the highs in Europe. Um, it is, at the end of the day, a form of stimulus, which the market is taking well. Um, some of the rally, though, might be people stepping in um, as an excuse to buy the jib. James Foley over at Rabobank told us earlier that there needs to be more, that this can't be enough to sustain a rally. But at the moment, you do see things like banks performing better, really the, the different sectors that have been the most oversold. So it does seem like some of that buy the dip crowd is usually Using this to come in and buy up some cheap stocks. And we are seeing that play out in markets right now. Bloomberg Television anchor 
and markets reporter Danny Berger. Thanks for coming on with us this morning to take a look at what's happening. As we do see S&P futures moving just a bit higher now, up 16 points. Dow futures up 105, and NASDAQ futures, little change to higher. They're up uh, 12 points right now. Ten-year Treasury now down 19.30 seconds. The yield 1.84%. The yield on the two-year 1.61. The surge in oil prices continues with NYMEX crude up 2.9% at $122.82 a barrel. The latest developments from Washington where Congress is considering a ban on Russian oil imports. Wendy Schiller, Brown University, joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, breezy, upper 40s today. Light snow tomorrow morning turning into light rain by late in the day. Highs in the upper 30s. We'll be back near 50 by Thursday. Right now, 40 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are higher this morning. We get to the first word breaking news dash for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. U.S. futures are posting modest gains right now. With Dow futures up 80 points, S&P's gained 13, while Nasdaq futures are higher by 6. The U.S. 10-year-old at 1.84%. Gold is up 9. Oil is climbing. And Bitcoin is up by 3%. Japan fell 1.7% overnight, while European markets are in the green led by 2% gains in Italy and Spain. Back in the U.S. on the economic front, 10 o'clock wholesale inventories. And in deal news, Google to buy Mandiant for $23 a share. In other news, the LME halted nickel trading after a 250% spike. And China is considering buying or increasing stakes in Russian energy and commodity companies. Wrapping things up, Bank of America was raised to neutral at Baird. Jeffries raised Caterpillar to buy. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news of your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. As the Russian invasion continues, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky hopes Russia will honor a ceasefire meant to establish a humanitarian corridor rather than break it again. Over one and a half million people have already fled the country. Ukraine is demanding NATO impose a no-fly zone to prevent further civilian deaths. Though President Biden opposes this, saying it risks direct conflict between NATO and Russia. According to AAA, the average gas prices in the U.S. at the pump are now more than $4.17 per gallon. The record prices come as demand surges and the war in Ukraine threatens global oil supplies. In the NBA, the Knicks won, the Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. The Bruins lost an OT to the Kings 3-2. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barb. This is Bloomberg. Karen. Hey, Michael, thank you. 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes infrastructure-ready graduates from civil engineers to transportation specialists. If it's infrastructure, NJIT grads are building it. More at NJIT.edu. 
Now, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A new study warns even a mild case of COVID-19 can damage the brain and affect thinking. Oxford University researchers found COVID-linked brain damage months after infection, including in the region linked to smell. The scientists also found brain shrinkage equal to as much as a decade of normal aging. Concerns of a looming global shortage of coal are driving up prices in every U.S. region that has access to export markets. Potential sanctions on Russia, a key supplier, have buyers around the world scrambling to line up supplies of the dirtiest fossil fuel. And Bloomberg News has learned that Google is in talks to acquire cybersecurity company Mandiant. It would be Google's second biggest deal ever. Mandiant has a market value of more than $5.2 billion. Microsoft back out of discussions for a deal on Concerns that Mandiant would not be a good strategic fit. And that's a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. We're at 6.50 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include U.S. lawmakers reaching the outline of a deal to ban Russian oil, U.S. spies painting a grim picture with Russia and China seen as the biggest threats, and President Biden set to sign an executive order this week on cryptocurrency strategy. Let's get more on the political landscape as the war in Ukraine continues to dominate. Wendy Schiller is with us now, director of the Topman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Professor, it's good to speak with you. We just got this headline uh, crossing the Bloomberg terminal from Axios reporting that U.S. senators are all looking to lock down Russia's gold reserves on top of all the sanctions that have been reported over the last several days. What do you see as the impact of the U.S. financial war on Ukraine? Well, I mean, I think there's going to be uh, reverberations for U.S. consumers, right? I mean, we've already seen that. You know, I've said this before, that most voters, including myself, don't quite understand why gas prices rise overnight. We know this future market, you buy at a certain price months in advance. Uh, but nonetheless, we're all paying more for gasoline. And that, that looks like it's just going to continue to go up in a summer where, free of COVID restrictions, we should expect Americans to be traveling more than ever before in the last couple of years. So I think demand is going to continue to go high. And that means that, you know, voters are going to feel this and they're going to feel it directly. And the question is, how long is it sustainable? How long can Biden and Republicans and Democrats say we need to endure this uh, because Russia has invaded Ukraine and this is a threat to us? So I think it gets complicated the longer this goes on. Well, it's interesting, at least at the moment, a lot of U.S. drivers, a lot of U.S. voters are saying that they're willing to pay even more for gas, at least right now, if it ends the war in Ukraine. What's the political impact, at least for the short term, for President Biden, if we do continue to see this pain at the pump and pain overall in the U.S. economy? Well, some people would argue that this actually could save the spiraling down of his approval ratings because rather than the Republicans being able to scream about inflation, which they've done very effectively from probably almost close to a year now, uh, and gas prices and blaming it on, Putin, on um, sorry, Mr. Biden, now uh, Biden says, listen, we have to take these steps to protect democracy and protect Europe, and therefore you're going to have to pay more. So the narrative has flipped really quickly. And so 
so it could help Biden uh, diminish some of that pain that people um, are feeling towards him because of higher gas prices. But I don't think that lasts. I mean, the problem with that is that's now. But I think, you know, as I said, as people want to go on vacation and enjoy themselves over the summer, I think they're going to feel it more and more. And that's closer to the midterm elections. So the Republicans have a pretty good situation. They can flip the script on Trump and Russia or they defended Trump against, you know, charges of collusion with Russia. Now they're very anti-Russia and they want to inflict as much pain as possible. But of course, the bad side of the Democrats is if we do that, we get higher gas prices. We probably continue to have high inflation despite the Federal Reserve promising to uh, increase rates. And the Republicans do better in November. So the Republicans right now are in a pretty good position. There's an interesting note from economist at Goldman Sachs out this morning saying that the war in Ukraine could raise the odds for parts of President Biden's Build Back Better agenda to get passed, particularly the clean energy piece. If uh, continued rising gas prices uh, lead to more of a transition to a clean energy economy. Is that something you're looking at? Is that possible that we could see a boost for Build Back Better from the war in Ukraine? Well, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, if he got the time and the space on his agenda to make the pitch that this is why we need to do wind power and solar power, probably wind power more because we know that farms in the Midwest and which are typically Republican states, they are taking advantage of wind power now, uh, and they are increasingly looking at that, uh, for using sort of uh, farmland that they can't use anymore or where they want to give it a rest. So, you know, when you think about that, he's got an opportunity and the environmental movement has an opportunity, uh, but it would be, something very new in American politics to have very conservative Republicans who are anti-Russia align with environmentalists who are pushing for alternative fuel sources. But with, you know, automakers saying they're going electric, right? They've already said we're going to be electric in a decade. We don't, we don't really have a choice, right? I mean, we're going to be driving electric cars. We have to find a way to have charging stations. That's the big piece, I think, that we have in the infrastructure bill that we need more money spent on. Uh, and so Biden does have an opportunity, but it would be a very strange coalition to witness in American politics if that comes to fruition. Speaking of the infrastructure bill in our last minute here, it's kind of wild to think that uh, it was only a week ago that the president delivered his State of the Union address and then the promise to go on the road to tout his bipartisan infrastructure plan. I mean, what does the war in Ukraine mean for the domestic agenda going forward for President Biden when you would think that he would have wanted to be touting the record that he's at least accomplished so far in his first year? Well, I mean, it's a really hard, it's a hard to change the subject, right? Because it's so horrifying to see, you know, the, the destruction in Ukraine and the displacement of Ukrainians. But he can make the case that we have to modernize, right? That this is not the same world it was 30 years ago. And we look at the Russian army and they seem to be having problems. And maybe that's a symbol of what was. And we have to think about the future and we have to think about, you know, modernizing society. And that's what the infrastructure bill will help everybody, whether you're Republican or Democrat, wherever you live. That's what this money should be spent on doing. If he can find a way to switch the narrative to the future, to adapting to a new world and being stronger and more independent in that world, I think he can try to combat some of the rhetoric that he's getting um, from independents in particular who are really dissatisfied and look like a leader who's thinking ahead. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a tough uh, a pivot for him, but I think he has an opportunity now to do that. And he's better, even though he stumbles when he speaks and people make mm-hmm. fun of him, he's better, he's better on the road than he is um, from the White House. So he needs but- to get out there. Thanks, as always. Professor Wendy Schiller of Brown University. Karen. Nathan, it is 6.56 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak March's Women's History Month, and every day this month we're celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now with your installment for March 8th, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young.
Happy International Women's Day. On Today in Women's History in 2017, the fearless girl sculpture is revealed across from the Charging Bull statue on Wall Street. Kristen Visbal's sculpture depicted a young, defiant girl standing confidently. The sculpture was installed late the night before. It was placed there to draw attention to the lack of gender diversity and equality in the workplace, particularly in large, powerful institutions in New York City. The plaque under the sculpture reads, Know the power of women in leadership. She makes a difference. It was commissioned by State Street Global Advisors, who wanted to advertise an index fund that promotes gender-diverse companies with high higher percentages of female leadership. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you again. Futures are higher this morning, and Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz is straight ahead. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.